This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. saying that a pastor is an animal, maybe this one here, but you know, the thing is, you know, he's saying it's just wisdom. And so if the Lord gave a, a law requiring that we feed and care for even animals who work in labor, it treads out the grain to provide food for us. How much more would the Lord want faithful pastors to provide the spiritual food to the church to be honored as they provide uh, wisdom in the word of God? Have you ever thought about what goes into being a pastor? Have you ever labeled something the pastor's job or thought that the pastor shouldn't get paid because it's his calling? Well, today, Pastor Eddie will challenge some of those thoughts as he looks at Paul's instructions to Timothy regarding the treatment of pastors and ministers in the church. Honoring them is about more than just recognizing their position and title. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5 as he begins his message, Honor the Elders. In our last study, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we looked at verses 1 through 16, verses 1 through 16, and when Paul writes about the treatment of members in the church, members in the church, he aims his letter to pastors and leaders, and but it's applicable for all of us in how we're to treat one another. The bottom line is that everyone in the church is a family member. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. But he goes on to say for Timothy and for all of us that for older men are to be treated as fathers, older women to be treated as mothers, younger men treated as brothers and younger women treated as treated as sisters. And with the young women, he adds with all purity. Then in verses three to 16, Paul dealt with the treatment of widows, widows, and we find that the responsibility of the children and grandchildren are to care for their widow mothers or grandmothers. And why we're to care for our mothers and grandmothers was the right thing to do, number one, but the Bible gives us good two reasons. Number one, because the Bible, the Word of God tells us to. That's number one. Secondly, in Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, it says at the end of verse 4, for this is good and acceptable before God. Then we get to verse 8, and it kind of brings conviction for those who have not, and those who do not want to care for their family. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You have unbelievers, you have atheists, you have people who don't believe in God, that they know the right thing to do is to care for their widowed mothers and grandmothers. Now that brings us to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we're going to look at the remaining part of chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. Remember, 1 Timothy is a pastoral epistle, 
And it tells us how we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, where Paul writes, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And it's important we to, to learn how we ought to uh, conduct ourselves. Now, in chapter 5, verses 17 to 25, Paul will give us instruction in honoring the elders, honoring the elders or pastor, if you will. The names are going to be changeable. So if I say pastor, is the same thing as an elder, not an elder one is, that's older in age, uh, but one that is mature spiritually, one in leadership. So if I say elder or I say pastor and elder or pastor, you know what I'm talking about. But let us read. The text before us, let us read from verses 17 to 25. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. Paul writes, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the labor, laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elected angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hand on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sin. Keep yourself pure." No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Now, for those of you taking notes, we're reading, we're studying from verses 17 to 25 of 1 Timothy chapter 5. In verses 17 and 18, Paul deals compensation for an elder, uh, wages for a pastor and elder. In verses 19, 21, the accusation of an elder. In verses 22 to 25, selecting an elder for the church. So we read our text, let us now study it verse by verse. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, let the elders, let the elders. Now, we've gone over the word elder several times in our study of First Timothy. And in the Greek, it's presbyteros. You could actually almost pronounce it in English, Presbyterian. They get this from the word elder in the Greek. And it means one who's advanced and mature in life, a senior or one who is advanced, mature spiritually. We looked at verse 1 of chapter 5 last week, and where the word elder in the Greek there is referring to one who has advanced and mature in life, a senior. And again, context is king. You read it in context, what's it referring to? It's referring to someone who's older. Timothy was young. He, uh, Paul told Timothy, listen, don't let anyone despise your youth, but you're a pastor and a leader. There are going to be people older than you. You need to be respectful towards them and not yell at them or, you know, be patient with them. And, but here we'll see that the word elder is going to be used as one who's mature spiritually, referring to a pastor or a leader. So he says, let the elder who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. 
And so the apostle Paul calls for the elders, the pastor who rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. Now, what does that mean? That means if Pastor Eddie's at your house at a barbecue, you don't give him a cheeseburger, you give him a double cheeseburger. <laughs> no, just kidding. Right. Just kidding. Now, to rule well, to rule well means that an elder pastor is to take lead. It's to remain steadfast in the ministry. That's what it means by ruling well. It's not ruling well based on what your definition what is well. But what is he doing biblically as a leader? Is he disqualifying himself as a leader? Is, or is he following what a leader should do in scripture? And that is overseeing the congregation, the affairs of the church. And it does not mean that the pastor has to rule perfectly well because there's no such pastor. The only one that's perfect we know is Jesus Christ. He is the great shepherd of the flock, the church. But he is to rule well, meaning taking lead in the ministry, remain steadfast in the ministry, being consistent. And if he rules well, he says he's to be counted worthy of double honor. Now, the word honor, we looked at also last week in the Greek. In verse 3 of chapter 5, in verse 3 of chapter 5, where it says honor widows, honor widows. That word honor in verse 3 of chapter 5 is the Greek word temayo. Temayo, it means to value, to respect. Okay, however, the word honor here in verse 17 of chapter 5 is the Greek word time. And it means compensation. It means a valuing by which the price is fixed. So again, this is why I give you the Greek word to understand there is a different meaning here. We use the word love for everything. I love my wife. I love pizza. I love my dog. You can't really love them all the same equally. But in the Greek, you have agape, phileo. Phileo arrows, and so there are different meanings for the words in the English is different. So the honoring of the widow is a different word with the honoring of pastors. It's talking about compensation. As a matter of fact, this Greek word teme, it is it used in ancient writings outside of the Bible, and it refers to financial payment, salary and wages okay so the elder pastor who rules well is to be financially supported financially supported so as for the double honor the emphasis is not so much of being double and paul is not saying that he should receive exactly double okay what's the average income in your community okay well we're gonna double it that's not we know there are churches that do that we know the uh TV tell, uh, evangelists, you know, the prosperity teachers would do beyond that. They quadruple. That is not what the emphasis here, but rather it should be received. They should receive a generous, respectable wage beyond others in the ministry because they oversee the entire uh, church ministry plus the people individually and also with the study of the word of God. And so there's a lot that, that goes behind the scene than just on Sundays, believe you me. Now, we can see that Paul is consistent in this area of honoring those who rule and labor over us in the church. He wrote to the church of the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 13. He writes this, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
Be at peace among yourselves. And the end result of being faithful, following the word of God, and honoring those that labor over you, those that shepherd you, the end result is peace. Peace. You notice, and I've been in church and I've been in ministry for so long. There will be those that will challenge you and make things difficult. They're not being submissive to what the Bible says. And what happens is there is no peace. So he says in verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially, meaning chiefly, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. I don't know about you, but when I grew up in church, before I became a pastor, that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in a place where they actually teach the word of God, not tickle my ears, not entertain me. I've come to learn the word of God. I've come to learn theology, doctrine. We come across that. And there is a lot of work when it comes to teaching verse by verse, expository teaching. There is a lot of work when you have to throw in the doctrine and theology, So that's why we're not so big on topical teaching, because topical teachings aren't easy. I came across a pastor who says, well, it's easy to teach verse by verse. I said, no, I disagree with that. (laughs) And he kept quiet, and I gave him the explanation as to why. You're obligated, you're forced to actually study the next text. I am obligated to teach chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. I am obligated to now begin the new teaching of 2 Timothy and so on till we get to Revelation. I cannot ignore things that I do not understand. It forces me to study it, to research, to know it, to teach it. So it's easy to pick a little topic and tickle and just take one verse and just talk about, talk about you and some other kind of explanation or illustrations. That's easy. It's hard. So it's a lot of work when one labors in the word and in doctrine, keeping consistent with the doctrine, because there's so many doctrines out there. How would you know the truth if you don't know the truth? Okay, how do you use a guide? How do you know what you're learning scripturally if it's not doctrinal? You need to learn doctrine. Pastors who labor and studying the word of God and teaching the word of God, you know, they need to be compensated because it takes a lot of work. And I can tell you this, being bivocational is not easy by any means. I've done it for six years. When I was pastoring a church in East Harlem, I was a full-time police officer and I had to study two, two studies, midweek and Sunday. It wasn't easy because, you know, I lived about an hour, 15 minutes away from work and the church. But I did it for three years. Then the Lord called me back to my old church and the Lord called me here. And I had done that in the beginning of our study. We started in 2012 of August. And then I was still a police officer full time working in New York City, getting off the midnight shift, driving all the way to Orange County, New York, Middletown, where I lived and showered. You wanted me to shower. I showered and I came and I gave a Bible study right off the midnight shift after fighting crime in the midnight shift in East Harlem. I came and I had to give a Bible study and I did that for three years. It's not easy. So to have someone, I, I, I discovered that the Lord called me out just before my 20th anniversary, just a shy year and a half. But I knew it was God's calling. I knew that I had to give 
more time as the church was growing, more time into prayer, more time into the studying of the word. And I found that the church continued to grow, that I became full time into ministry. So it's not easy. But those who rule well are to be given double honor, especially those who um, labor in the word and doctrine. In verse 18, he says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Now, this is an Old Testament law. And there was a law even to care for those animals that actually work in the field for you. Those animals that you put the yokes on are in the field and they're plowing and, and those that are working towards the grain. There's, you know, animal cruelty. The Bible protected animals, especially the ones that you're using to help you get food and put food on your table. And so this is an Old Testament law. It's Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. I'll give it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. It must eat too. You must feed and take care of it. How many of you, we don't have, you know, I don't know if anybody has a farm or a ranch here. But the closest thing we have is not really an animal, it's a car. And my father always told me, you take care of your car, your car's going to take care of you. Give it the oil change, you know, take care of it. Otherwise, it's going to leave you stranded. And, and that's what I tell my daughters when they got their car. You have to take care of it. You have to give it the oil change and give it the tune-up that it needs. And otherwise, it's going to leave you stranded. And so, that, you know, in the same way, the Lord's saying, listen, you know, take care of the animal. Not that he's saying that a pastor is an animal, maybe this one here. But, you know, the thing is, you know, he's saying it's just wisdom. And so if the Lord gave a, a law requiring that we feed and care for even animals who work in labor, it treads out the grain to provide food for us. How much more would the Lord want faithful pastors to provide the spiritual food to the church to be honored as they provide uh, wisdom in the word of God. And so he says, you should not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Paul is quoting from Jesus Christ. And he quotes in Luke chapter 10, verse seven, when Jesus says the laborer is worthy of his wages. It's a biblical principle, a biblical principle. And so we are to give double honor to elders who rule well, especially those who labor in the word of God and doctrine. Next, in verses 19 and 21, verses 19 through 21, it's the accusation of an elder. Now there's protection for the elder as well. So Paul gives instruction protecting the elder, the pastor, against false accusation. So let's look at verse 19. He says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And this is important. Throughout the scriptures, the enemy has used people to falsely accuse men of God who are and trying to destroy their ministry. Joseph, Moses, David, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Paul himself, and even Jesus Christ suffered false accusations. And this is important. Paul warns us about false accusations against pastors. And so the first thing he tells us to do, the first thing we must do when you hear Someone making an accusation against a pastor, any pastor. If you hear an accusation against me, it's probably true. Just kidding. But if you, any pastor, any accusation, any accusation, the first thing he says, do not receive it. Do not receive it. He didn't say, believe it or don't believe it. He goes beyond that. It's not whether you believe the accusation or not. He says, do not receive it. 
Don't receive it. He didn't say believe it. So he says, do not receive it, much less believe it. It's inevitable that there will be false accusations against a pastor. It happens. Why? Because there are people in the church. <laughs> That's why. It happens. In fact, I don't believe there's a single pastor throughout the history of the church from the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts to now unto the Lord Chateri that has not received a false accusation against him. There's not one single one. It happens. You're up there and, you know, it's like one little accusation, forget it. You're of the devil. (laughs) You're evil. And it's wrong. Do not receive it. I was taught this before I was a pastor. Do not receive a false accusation. Don't receive it. You hear somebody talking about it? Did you witness it? Did you, with your physical eyes, witness this sin that disqualifies him as a pastor? So do not receive an accusation against a past, an elder, except, and here's the exception, except from two or three witnesses. It's not that, you huddle together behind the pastor or the leadership is referring to the leaders. Paul is speaking to leaders. So the leadership of this church, the leadership of Calvary Chapel, we're not to accept any accusation against any of our leaders except that there are two or three witnesses and they come to the leadership and they say, this is the situation. Now this law, this law, uh, two or three witnesses, is an Old Testament law. The law, ga- the law, the Lord gave to the children of Israel back in Deuteronomy, and it's to establish the fact and to see if the accusations are true. So in Deuteronomy chapter nineteen, verse fifteen, the Lord said to the children of Israel, "One witness shall not rise against a man, not one, concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits." By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And we need to follow this law. We need to follow this principle. This law, it still applies for us today. Even though it was an Old Testament law, but the principle, God wants this principle to continue on even for us today. Because obviously, we're reading it in the New Testament. We're reading it from the Apostle Paul. Paul says you need two or three witnesses. Two or three witnesses. So Paul's telling us to continue this practice today. And not only an accusation against a pastor, but this accusation with two or three witnesses also deals with us individually within the church. Remember, Jesus gave us this example. If a brother sins against you, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 16, Jesus says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That's the first thing. If you pass this with telling someone else, that's gossip. That's gossip. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Timothy with us here on Running the Race. There's so much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. 
Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry and you'd like to know how you can partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.